You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Can you all come back next week and the week after and the week after? Because uh, we're going to be doing this part that I'm going to do a little while. And I have been sitting on this for so long. I feel like a pressure cooker about ready to explode. And I'm so excited, you know, and I want you to be careful because, you know, if you've been around here a while, you might think, yeah, 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 we know that. But if you know that, you'll want more of that. And yet in this last year and a half, I've been watching some things as we've been watching some things as the shepherds of the flock and, you know, lots of stuff going on. So many things going on. There's been more going on in two years than um, all 35 years of my life. I mean, or however old I am. And so um, anyway, um, so I don't be lying right here under the presence of God. Seriously. I mean, there's been a lot going on, Right. And then I'm watching people, though, and I'm even watching the body of Christ, and I've been really kind of concerned and disturbed because there's so many voices, and um, I don't really see people acting very Christ-like, and um, I see influences coming that should be pure and holy, and yet they cause irritation and agitation, and um, there are many voices in the world, none without signification. And then I'm watching people walking through some things, and, um, you know, I've been uh, meditating on some things. And some people that I listened to a lot um, recently did some sermons that really blessed me and kind of helped me, push me over the edge towards some things that, that I wanted to minister on. And so that's what I'm going to do. So I'm calling this real faith. Amen. I'm going to call this real faith because um, I want you to see this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul is talking to Timothy, one of his children in the faith, and he said this, uh, Pastor Rhonda used this verse not very long ago, when I called to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, which first was in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am also persuaded, that's a faith word, I am persuaded that it's in thee also. And that word unfaith means sincere, unfeigned, thank you, unfeigned faith means sincere. It means the real deal. When it's unfeigned, it means it's real. It's not fake. In order for something to be fake, it has to be copied off of something that's real. So if he is saying you have unfeigned faith, there were at this time people with feigned faith. Just like worship. How many of you know, remember what, uh, when Jesus was with the woman at the well, he said, there's coming a time and now is when true worshipers. So if there's true worshipers, there's also false worshipers. And then there's everything in the middle. And so I don't want you that those of you who have been around a while, but there's also new folks. There's also, you know, everybody is at a different place. And so when I'm talking about the real faith, that means that somehow, some way, sometimes you, you, you know, we all want to have unfeigned faith, but we have to make sure there is no feigned faith or um, it's copy faith, it's imitation faith, and it's not the real faith because that kind of faith will get you nothing. It won't get you the promises of God that are yes and amen. And if he made this comment to Timothy, he was also telling him, you know, because Timothy's a pastor of the largest church, Ephesus, and he's dealing with things all the time. And he was complimenting him on where his faith walk was, that his grandmother Lois had it, that his mother Eunice had it. But then it's not passed down. It just so happens that they had it. And Timothy, I need you to continue to walk in real faith. And so we are going to break some things down. And the Holy Ghost even said to me, don't get too excited. I gave you notes. Stick with them. And that's unusual. I don't know that any times he's ever said to me, stick with your notes. Because I got some juicy stuff in here, you know. I really do. We, we have been working on this. And so, um, so let me tell you this. Faith is not a movement. Faith. Is not a phase the body of Christ should have gone through. Faith is a foundational doctrine. I'm teaching that in Bible Institute. I just taught it. 
Faith towards God is a foundation. You must believe that God is. That's where it starts. You have to believe that Jesus is who he said that he is, that he was raised from the dead. And then all of faith towards God works the same way. But faith is not a movement. Faith is not the name of a church. Faith is something that it takes to please God. Faith, learning how to receive, is how you get the promises of God that are yes and amen. It's the way you got saved. Faith is not something we can overlook, even though probably in our era, there's been thousands of books written on faith. But today, what I really have in my heart is it's so important because without faith, you can't please God. You know, we're told the just shall live by faith. So in other words, faith is not for Sunday mornings. And then this one, faith is not just important when you have a problem. Faith is not something you just use if COVID shows up. Faith is not something you just use if you've got a financial problem. You and I, I lost some of you, you and I, yes, when a problem comes up, use your faith. But you're, you can't use your faith in a crisis situation if you haven't been using your faith all the time. Amen. You cannot believe for a million dollars if you've never believed for a pair of socks. You can't believe for a Beamer if you've never believed for a bicycle. Amen. Amen. You're not going to walk in perfect peace. If when you turn on the news, it makes you mad and you yell at it. Listen, everybody on planet earth has been dealt the measure of faith. Not just a believer. You don't get the measure of faith when you get born again. Everyone's been dealt the measure of faith. Everybody, seven point whatever there is now, four billion people on the planet earth have the measure of faith. They have the ability to believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way to heaven but through him. They all have that ability. They've all been given the measure of faith. We're not, no one is without excuse. You should be able to look around and tell there's a God. Amen. He's not unjust. And so there's that ability in every human being to believe, to believe God. It's there. We've been all dealt the measure of faith. So um, I really want you all to hear this like it's the first time. All right. Um, Because this and what I'm looking at, especially in our church, I'm concerned about faith substitute, that mental assent has been substituted for faith. In other words, agreeing that Jesus is healer and giving mental assent to it and saying amen and pop the clutch, but not able to walk in it. Mental assent is not faith. Faith is not of the head. It's not even of the renewed mind. Faith is of the heart. What I'm concerned about when it comes to faith is so many people are in presumption instead of real faith. There's a man, love him. He's gone on to be with the Lord. His name was Dr. Frederick Casey Price. If you ever watched this show, some of you've been around a while, evidence, (laughs) evidence. And he wrote a great book that I was required to read some 30 years ago. It's called Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption. And you should read it. You should read it. And what I'm concerned about is people telling me they're in faith and they have no evidence. Prove it. So if you tell someone, I'm believing that I'm healed, prove it. You know, the first thing they'll do is check their body. That's not proof. Well, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Prove it. Pastor Mark, prove it, prove it, show me, well, here's a hundred dollars, no, no, you need scripture, if you're standing, if you say, I believe something, you should be able to rattle off some word that comes out of your heart and not your head, now, I'm going to help me. I'm going to help myself during this time. 
I'm going to remind myself. I'm going to help you. You can help some friends. You can tell people if they don't live in this, around this area that we have live stream. I'm going I'm to I'm slow down and we're going to get nitty gritty. Because we're living in a time that your faith and my faith has to work. We have to live this way. Till Jesus comes. We always should be living this way, but we really have to live this way. And so I want to make sure you have unfeigned faith. The real deal. Not an imitation, not a copy, not almost, not mental assent, not um, uh, presumption. And I want to make sure you got some evidence. Amen. Amen. So, very basically, Let's look at Romans chapter 10. I'm excited. I, I feel like I could scream and shout and jump up and down. I think I could like jump to the ceiling. <laughs> Romans 10. So you know this scripture. All right, we'll just do it this way. Because this is Wednesday night. You all know the answer. How does faith come? And don't leave that last part off. Faith comes by and Okay, so let's look at that. I wish we could do this on the screen. So Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So first of all, the word hearing is A-K-O-E with a thingy, S. Um, and it just simply means hearing. It's physical hearing, faculty of hearing. It also means ear, and it means report, and it also means rumor. So faith, the God kind of faith, comes by hearing. Now, what I want to stop there is this. It can't, it can't just go in your ears. That is, that's how it starts. But faith comes by hearing and hearing. There's another hearing. And I believe that hearing has more to do with spiritual hearing. Now, it's interesting, different people are at different levels. And we're, we, we got weeks, maybe months to talk about this. Because we're going to really talk about, I'm going to, we're going to talk about a lot. But what I want, and I got to be careful not to jump because I know kind of where I'm going, but, but we got to talk here first. So the first thing is that a lot of people, even if you come to our kind of church, you're going to hear the word. But if you just hear it with your ears, is, that's, that's not what it's talking about. That's the first place. It's got to be heard with your ears. It's got to be seen with your eyes. It's got to be in your mouth, but it's got to be more than just a physical hearing. Physical hearing alone does not bring faith. Just because I heard what he said, good for you. But that's not going to necessarily get you faith. Hearing is where it starts. How many of you got to start there, though? You can't even attempt to get faith if you don't physically hear the word of God or see the word of God. Or put the word of God in your mouth. You've got to do those things. But that's, it's not just the physical aspect of it that will bring the God kind of faith that brings results. I'm after some results. I know I'm talking to the right people. Hallelujah. So hearing, and it says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. That word is rematos or where we get the word rhema. Now y'all familiar with rhema, right? All right, so what does rhema mean? It means utterance, matter of topic. Now I'm going to come back to that. And then it says this. In the King James, it says, so, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But that word God is Christos. So faith comes by hearing with your ears and then hearing with your heart the rhema of the anointed word of God, the anointed Christ. So it has to do with anointing. It has to do with God's presence on the word. And we're going to go back and look at it, but it also, it's, it's not an option for you in this time. Uh, you have to hear good preaching and teaching of the word of God. It's the way God ordained it. So it's not enough for you to be an island on your own and just read your Bible and maybe study your Bible on your own. That is not how the God kind of faith primarily is supposed to come to you. 
the way God set this up. Because in the beginning, when you were not born again, you had to hear the preaching, the anointed preaching of who Jesus was. And with that anointing, which destroys the yoke, with that anointing that removes the, um, the blinders that are on people's eyes. It all works together. Now, we're going to get into reading. We're going to get into studying. We're going to get into all this. But, but you need to know. So faith comes by hearing. Yes, physical hearing. It comes by a report. Hearing in your heart the, um, the rhema of Christ. Now, what do we know about Jesus? He said this, I don't do anything that, that I haven't seen my father do. And I'm not going to say anything that I've not heard my father already say. And some of that goes along with faith. Now, let's look at the word. Everybody knows these words. Um, what is logos? The written word of God. What is the written word? It's the, the belt of truth, you know, in Ephesians. So what is logos? Logos is the written word of God. What is rhema? Rhema is the spoken word of God. Y'all hear? Rhema is the two-edged sword that comes out of here. He say, you say. That's the rhema. Now, what I, I have watched people do kind of get off in this, and it always makes me nervous. Everybody's only looking for a rhema word. And when they preach this, then they begin to discount the written word. You can never have a rhema word until you have the logos. Logos produces a rhema. You can never get a rhema without a logos. And you need to be very careful when you discount the logos, the written word of God, because it's what produces a real rhema, a real rhema. There are fake, if there's real rhema, there's fake rhema. There's people saying things are rhema that aren't rhema when it comes to a word from the word, a spoken word to you. So you've got to be careful. How many know we ought to honor Jesus is the logos made flesh. Jesus is the logos made flesh. The written word of God. There is three in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the written word. This is inspired. You have everything you need. This is inspired. This is alive. This seed produces every time. This is the word of God. Hallelujah. So I ran across this guy. Um, I was studying and uh, uh Tony Cook, who we love and adore, he does this thing, and sometimes I write for him. And um, he had a guy, a, a Reverend Keith Trump, <laughs> that's interesting, and he said this, and I want you to hear me what he's saying, okay? So God's logos will always remain living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12. The fire of a true rhema word must burn in, on the full of a logos word. The fire of a true rhema word must burn on the fuel, not full, fuel of a logos word. So in order for a rhema word to keep going, it's got to have the fuel of the logos. And the logos has to be there first. The speaking of a rhema word occurs first by the Holy Spirit. He takes the already spoken and written down logos and speaks it to a believer. This event provides a fresh revelation. Because you ever people say, well, we need a rhema word. What are they saying? We need a fresh word from God. Well, your fresh word comes off of the already written word. If it's a fresh word that's apart from this word, and it's not doctrinal, and it's not scriptural, and it's in the name of prophecy, it's not from God. And all words from God, even prophetic utterance, should have a lot of the written word in it. When Angela prophesied, when Larry gave a tongue and Angela gave the interpretation, if you'll go back and look at it, it was word after word after word. That's the true word. That's how God does things. Amen. And so even a rhema word has its fuel from a logos. And so what I'm, I'm taking an extra minute here, but don't ever downplay the written word of God. Amen. I want a rhema. Well, get a, get a logos, get it working in your heart. And then God's got something to work with. You can never get a rhema until you're full of the logos. Are you with me? He takes the already spoken and written down logos and speaks it to a believer. This event provides a fresh revelation with the context of one's current life situation. So God will take a, a logos from the word of God and whatever you're going through, whatever you need, 
whether it be financial, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, whether it be dealing with sin or, or habits or anything. You take the logos of the word of God, the spirit of God will breathe on that logos, give you a rhema and give you something in many cases to fight with. Um, you know, just, um, I don't want to keep bringing this up, but, um, it's my recent one. So you get it. You know, um, when I was quarantined, um, I, after I got over being mad, um, I, um, I, you know, symptoms started coming back on me. And so I just started meditating the word and I, I put in some, uh, uh, brother Hagen and I, you know, started listening to the word cause I know what works. And so I started listening to what I need to listen to really along the subject of faith and healing. And so while I was doing that, I got a rhema. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Well, how's that a rhema? It's a logos. But it became alive to me. And every time I began to confess the word, it's interesting. That's the first scripture that came up out of my heart. And that's the, war, that's the double-edged sword that I used. And immediately my symptoms began to improve. I still had to quarantine, but my symptoms be immediate. Jesus, and this is what of that came really strong. That is COVID is a curse. I've been redeemed from the curse. Now, see, we all know that. But for me, when that shot out of my mouth, it was a double edged sword this time. And it doesn't mean other times that there won't be other scripture that become a rhema to you. But, but listen, you can't have a rhema until you've got the logos. And every time you're going through something, the first place you ought to go is to the logos. And from that logos, that's where a rhema comes. The word of God has got to be the most important thing. The written logos of the word of God. That's where you, that's where you listen, maybe even on subjects that you need. That's where you, you, uh, you meditate. That's where you read. That's where you study off of. And then with that, like he's saying, the writer there is saying, he's saying, then from that, the Holy Ghost breathes on the spoken word that has been written down. And then it becomes a spoken word to you. And with that, you're, that's your double-edged sword. He said it, now you say it, and it's powerful. It's not, see, a lot of times what people are thinking is faith is they're repeating the word, but there's no oomph behind it. I'm not talking about a feeling. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about authority. I'm talking about a knowing. It's not a, I'm going to say this and I hope something happens. No, when you have a rhema, you say something and you know something's going to happen. Because you've heard from God, but you've heard from God from the written word, the written word, the written word, the written word. Y'all with me? It's so important. He said, this means that consistently reading the peerless, what does peerless mean? Pure? This consi- I should have asked you before I put you on the spot. This means that consistently, consistently reading the peerless written word logos provides fuel of the spirit to ignite a burning word, rhema. So what I'm saying is that, yes, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by a rhema Christos. But you, in order to get a rhema, you can never discount the logos. In other words, well, I'm going to go to prayer and I'm going to try to get God. I want God to talk to me. The better approach, the safer approach would be for you to get into the word concerning the scriptures that surround your going on. And you let God then speak from that, those written words, something fresh to your heart that you already know. But I'm going to fight with this. It's going to be a two-edged sword. This is my faith is going to work. Like what I was going through, uh, I, I know lots of scripture. I've taught healing and faith for years. But that one phrase, COVID is a curse. You've been redeemed from it. I fought and I won. Amen. 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 What does it mean? Uh, matchless or incomparable. Matchless. Oh, let me read that. He's a scholar, so you know them scholars throw you big words like my wife. And I thought that my scholar would know what it meant. This means the, that consistently reading the matchless and incomparable, and incomparable ooh, written word of God, the logos, will provide fuel for the spirit to ignite a burning word in you, Raymond. Again, I'm going to say it. This is what I'm, I wrote down. This is what, without a logos, Rhema is not possible. Without logos, rhema is not possible. Quit looking for a rhema word. Get your eyes, your ears, your mouth in the logos. 
and it will produce a rhema. You do need a rhema. You do need a rhema. But a lot of people are trying to skip over the logos. God, you know, tell me what to do. He did. I, I, don't, go, I don't go here to, to prove what I believe. I go here to form what I believe. This is where my belief system comes from. Now, I ought to be able to prove. I ought to have evidence. Everybody shout evidence. I hear that song. Evidence. Hallelujah. All right. So now, are we still in Romans? Let's look at Romans 10. Uh, you all know 8, 9, and 10. But I want to look at verse 13. We're going to look at 13 through 17. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed. Now we know this is talking about salvation, but this is for everything that the Lord has provided. Whether it be peace, joy, fruit of the spirit, freedom from addiction, freedom from sin, um, habits, freedom from sickness, disease, everything that Jesus has done. How many know it's a finished work? You're just receiving what's already done. You already got it. Amen. Amen. That's another good book. You already got it. You just got to receive it. Just take it. Your faith is not moving God to do something that he hasn't already done. Your faith is receiving something that is already finished. Salvation was finished. He did, when, when you decided to come to Jesus, he didn't have to get on the cross again. You just received what was already done. When you decided to believe that healing was for you, he didn't have to take stripes again. He does, he, he, understand what I'm about to say. He's not going to heal you. And I know you and I know the rest. Of, he already has done it. But don't most people ask the Lord, please heal me. <laughs> I'm tired. I, how many times have I heard this? I'm tired of this, Lord. Take it away. You said you, said you would heal me. That's not what he said. He said he has healed you. Amen. That's not what he said. You said you'd heal me. That's not what he said. He said, I, by the stripes of Jesus, you have been healed. That's what he said. That's the logos. You know, I, I might start getting sassy with people because I'm probably going to get sassy with myself. Well, I'm believing. I, I'm going to ask you for evidence. Well, I'm just, just believe with me. Based on what? Based on what? Because, see, it sounds great. And we've all learned the Christianese, the word of faith, the word of life, Christianese. I'm just believing. Are you really? Come on, this Wednesday night, you can all take this. Because I want to position you. Because you've come into the days when your faith has to work for you. But also, you can be such a great blessing. Come on, you can be such a great blessing. They need us to know. All right, here we go. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they've not heard? In other words, if someone's not heard it, it's impossible for them to believe in it. How can you believe in a risen Savior if you've never heard about him? How can you believe in healing? How can you believe in prosperity? How can you believe on peace if you've not heard it? Everybody say heard. Heard. So, uh, and how shall they hear without a, I'm sorry, you cannot do without me. A lot of people are trying today, not just to do without me, but to do without the anointed teaching and preaching of the word. We don't need that. That is not what the Bible teaches. That is not accurate. Well, I can just do it on my own. Wrong. Deception deceived. I don't need you. Wrong again. You need the anointed, not just preaching, not just teaching. You need the anointed. The anointing comes when men and women of God obey the Lord, preach the word and not their opinions. He will not anoint an opinion. As a matter of fact, I know where he's at right now. He's annoyed with opinions. He's annoyed with opinions. I have touched his heart on that one, and I can tell you for sure he's annoyed with opinions. But he loves to hear it 
when a preacher, when a teacher, when a man or woman of God, when a believer will take him at his word, speak it out of their heart because he loves to perform what he said. And how can they believe on him who have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? Not just any old preacher, but someone who will preach the anointed word of God, who's heard from heaven. I'll just let you in on a little story. And you know it too. Now, now I hope this doesn't apply to me much. But you can tell when the anointing's in the room and when it's not, especially those of you who are used to the anointing. Now, there are times when we just don't feel like it, and it doesn't matter if that, that person's anointed, and, you know, we have to get in there, right? You know what I'm saying? But you know the difference in the anointing and not the anointing. How does the anointing come? Anointing comes from obedience, from you hear, a minister hearing from heaven. So they went forth everywhere, and the Lord worked with them, confirming his word, not just his word, period, his word for that moment, a seasonal word. The right word spoken at the right time. That's what he anoints. He'll always anoint his word as you minister it. But there's more or less anointing on something based on someone obeying. And that's the same thing with you. If you'll get into the Logos word of God, he'll give you a word. He'll give you something from that. That's, that's what you need for this season. And that, that's why it works better. Your sword coming out of your mouth will work better when he sharpened it. You're not just doing things. You're just not trying things. You've gotten into the word. You're hearing the anointed word of God. You're reading. You're studying. You're hearing a preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent as written? How beautiful are the feet of them to preach the gospel of peace, bring glad tidings and good things. Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report. Now, who has believed? Let's look at Isaiah 53.1. You come to healing school. Reverend Opal's going to give you this one. Uh, maybe one out of every three times, I think. But it's a good one because this is one that, that she had to get. I have to get. You have to get. Isaiah 53.1. Isaiah, who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? So a report then in context, in Romans chapter 10, is a spoken word report. So mostly it's, who has, it's something that was spoken. Because remember, the spies came back. Two of them gave a good report, and ten of them gave an evil report. God's words, not mine. Two people gave a good report, a God report. Ten people gave an evil report. Whose report? Who has believed our report? Faith comes by hearing. They heard the report. They heard the report of the Lord. But the first group of Israelites who went in chose not to believe. And God got angry because of their unbelief, their willingness not to hear his report. In other words, even they heard, what did they hear? They heard it's just like God said. So it wasn't just the report of the facts that fell on their ears. When they heard it, what does Hebrews say? Hebrews, uh, okay, I'm jumping. Oh, Lord, help me not to jump. You told me not to jump, but I'm going to jump. All right, Hebrews 4. I did not even write it down. Maybe that's why I'm not jumping, because I forgot to write it down. I didn't write it down, so I'm not jumping. Oh, good. Hebrews 4.2. For unto us was the gospel preached, Hebrews 4.2, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So we're going to do this a little different because I preach this all the time in my um, foundational doctrines class because I, 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 I'm going to hone in on that. So, so, so listen, so God said, this is land that flows with milk and honey. This is land that I've given you. So what is that? That's God's report. So what can come from that? Faith. Because it's a rhema. This is what I'm doing. What do they have to do? Hear it and hear it. And then they chose. And then it came back, even with a natural report, it started out, it's just like he said. He was even working with them. Because always, we always don't all get that. He was really working with them. He, they sent spies in, and he said, it's just like God said. But. 
So they added to his report. And here it says, it's interesting, but the word preached did not profit them. He considered it, what he said to them, he considered his word. My word that I talked to them, that my word that I gave to Mo, the word that I gave to Moses went through my, my minister to them. What should they have done? Not being mixed with faith. Let's look at this in the New Living. Ooh. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just like it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. In other words, they didn't share the faith. What did God say about um, those two fellows, Joshua and Caleb? They had a spirit of faith. They had a, they had a different spirit. So he's saying the rest of them didn't share. They both heard the same. Listen to me. Everybody's in a different place. People can hear the same thing physically and not hear the same thing spiritually. Some people can be sitting in the same room, hearing the same word, coming from a same man or woman, being anointed, the same anointing, but to one it profits them, to the other it does not profit them. So it's not just physical hearing. It says, but it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Because somebody came back and said, basically, listen to me. He didn't talk about the walled cities. He didn't talk about the giants. And he didn't tell you that land will eat you up. So they add, yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, just like he said, but there's giants, there's walls, and it's a bad land. And it's going to get you. You be careful not to add to God's report. Say what he says. Believe what he says to believe. Oh my gosh. So anyway, let's look at that in um, the New American Standard Bible, the NASB. It says, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those that heard. Let's look at the Amplified Classic. Amplified Classic. Oh my goodness. Because it was not mixed with faith, with the leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness by those who heard it. Neither were they united in faith with the ones, Joshua and Caleb, who heard and did believe. So really, if you dig into this a little more, it's not that they just mixed faith with it. Joshua and Caleb were able to get faith. Heard the same thing. Saw the same thing. Two believed a report. Ten didn't believe a report. Just because you're sitting in the same room with somebody doesn't mean you got the same faith as they do. Just because you heard the same thing as they heard doesn't mean. So there's, there, I want you to know that there are, there, the reason that people are at various faith levels, it starts with hearing. But then it begins, there's other factors that are going in. So I want you to see they all, the first group, all heard. They all heard. They all heard the report. Are you with me? And that's the beginning. And it's a good beginning. That's what you got to hear. But then there's things you do after the report. All right. Let, let, let's, so let's, let's back up and dig deeper. All right. Ooh, I'm having fun. Let's talk about people who received and how they received. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 15. Let's look at the father and the mama of our faith. Let's look at Abe and Sarah. So let's look at him. I asked him if I could call him Abe and he said, yes. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, Genesis chapter 15. So let's look at verses one through six. After these things, the word of the Lord came into Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I'm your shield, your exceeding great reward. So God's word, God is speaking to him. And Abraham said, Lord God, what are you going to give me? I go childless and the steward of my house, Eliezer, the Damascus, that's who's going to be my heir. And Abram said, behold to me, thou hast given me no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, so that'd be like a rhema, came to him saying, this shall not be your heir. So this supersedes anything else that Abraham thought, 
hoped, dreamed, or imagined, or how he was going to fix it. God's word came, and now that's, that's the preeminence. That's what take, that's way, so this is now what God's saying. You're, he's not going to be your heir, but there's going to someone come forth out of your own bowels that shall be your heir. And he besought him forth abroad and took, looked toward heaven and tell, and, and tell the stars, if you be able to count them. And he said to them, so shall thy seed be. And he believed. Everybody said he believed. He believed. What did he believe? What he heard. What did he believe? What he heard. What did that become to him? A rhema. Right? He believed what he heard. So now he's in faith. He believed what he heard. It's as simple as that. He believed what he heard. God spoke to him. He belie- it says he believed the Lord. And it was counted to him for righteousness. So he, he heard, a report was given to him. He had, a, he, had a, he had his own report. It was contrary. I got this guy who I love. He's going to be my heir because I don't have any. Well, you going to, you know, if we're going to do this thing, Lord, uh, you know, I want an heir. Lord said, okie dokie. And he said, you know, from your own bowels, you're going to have an heir. And then he said, look up at the stars. Another place to total count. You know, look at the sand, I guess. I mean, that's a whole lot. I mean, he's just asking for one. And he's telling him to look at the stars. God thinks bigger than you think. Amen. Just getting to see that. What was he doing? He was changing his vision. He was changing his report. He was changing his perspective. Um, He was changing his self-talk. I can't have any children. This is the way it's going to be. It is. Oh, the one the Lord has for a year been on me about. I've almost got it out of my vocabulary. It is what it is. Nope. It don't have to be it is what it is. With God, it never is what it has. It doesn't ever have to be that way. He believed the Lord. All right, well, let's go on, though. Chapter 16. Woo. Now, Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. But what, what was the report? What was the report? But there wasn't any. And so Sarai, like all of us, took things into her own hand. What does that mean? I'm not picking on Sarah. She didn't believe the report. Not yet. And she said, here's Hagar, you know. And then we have a what? An Ishmael. Verse 2 of 16 says, And Sarah, I said to Abram, behold now, the Lord has restrained me. The Lord has restrained me. So not only didn't she believe the report, now it's God's fault. Not only didn't she... Come on, that's familiar. Not only didn't she believe the report anymore, I bet when he came home the first time, hey, I had this big experience with God, and she's like, whoopee, and, you know, we're going to have us a baby. And then time became an enemy, and she let go of the report and even started blaming God. I pray, uh uh-oh, Here comes a new report mixed with God's report. She's given him permission. What's he going to do? Say no? Stupid man. I heard that. I agree. Genesis 17. So now what we got? We got a mess because people mixed reports took God's report, added their own report, mixed reports. Mixed reports do not produce what God wants. Mixed reports produce flesh. Praise the Lord. 17. And when Abram was 90 years old and not, he's 99, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the almighty God. Woo! That's a good intro. Walk before me, be perfect. I, I'm going to make a covenant between me and thee, multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you'll be a father of many nations. What's God doing? Repeating his report. God rarely changes. He just repeats. And in this case, when it's a report, he's repeating it again. 
Neither shall your name be called Abram. Your name's going to be called Abraham. You're the father of many nations. And I'll make things exceedingly fruitful. And I'm going to establish my covenant. Verse 15. And God said to Abram, as for Sarah, your wife, don't call her Sarah, but call her Sarah, I call her Sarah. And I will bless her because this is God's original intent. Maybe he didn't spell it out to Abraham and Sarah, but this is his original intent. I'll bless her, give you a son, and I'm going to bless her, and she's going to be the mother of many nations. Kings of people come out of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to me, 100 years old, and Sarah, she's 90 years old. And uh, she's currently mad at me because I got this other son. I just did what she said, but she's mad at me. Still holding it over my head. And God said, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son indeed. And you shall call him Isaac, and I will establish uh, uh, my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant. So that is same report. There's a mess in the middle because they combine reports. God comes back and reiterates his report. And now he's even clearer about Sarah in it. But... Some other time goes on, and uh, he, well, he's right there. Verse 9, I love this. I remember when the Lord a few years back revealed this to me. And, and they said unto him, Where, where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, behold, she's in a tent. And he said, God says, I will certainly. Everybody say certainly. What is this? A rhema word. This is God's word to Abraham and Sarah. But watch this. is specifically now to Sarah. We're in uh, Genesis 18. I get so excited. Uh, Verse 9. Genesis 18, 9. And they said to him, where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, behold, she's in a tent. And verse 10 says, and he said, I will certainly, everybody say certainly, return to her according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. That's his rhema word. That's his report. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah, the man or woman. You all know this. Therefore, Sarah did what? She laughed within herself, saying, after I'm waxed old, shall I have, we we ain't even doing that no more. Um, Have I'm waxed old, I'll have pleasure. My Lord, he's, he's old too. We don't do that. And the Lord said to Abraham, where, why? so then he ignored it. He said, why'd she laugh? Why'd she laugh? What? She's having trouble with the report. She's having trouble with the report. Listen to me. Everybody is at different stages when they start hearing the word of the Lord. And I, I've got some things I'm going to tell you, the re- reasons later. There are, there are definite reasons why one person can hear by the stripes of Jesus you've been healed and seem to grab a hold of it, and it takes someone else two, three years. How, how is it that someone has faith for finances and, and can't seem to walk in health and wholeness? How is it one person can learn to cast their cares upon the Lord and somebody else uh, call it faith and worry morning, noon, and night, call it prayer? How is it? Everybody's different. And in today, I would love to tell everybody, you do not need to sit in the seat of the scornful. Because I guarantee you there are areas in your life that you are not up to snuff. And how is dare you judge another man's servant? You don't know where people are. Just because God dealt with you about something doesn't mean he dealt with the whole world about it. You are not the only person on this planet. And just because he deals with you that way doesn't mean he's dealing with everybody that way. And that's why you should keep your opinion to yourself. I wish I was as eloquent as Brother Keith Moore, but I ain't. (laughs) So anyway... Let's look at this. And the Lord said to Abram, verse 13, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I surely bear a child when I'm old? Is anything, he's reiterating his report. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I told you, I'm going to tell you one more time. This is my report. At the appointed time, I'm going to return according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah's like, I, I, I didn't laugh. So, so a year later, so I say it this way, and I really believe the Lord revealed this to me. Hebrews 11, 11. 
What does Hebrews 11, 11 says? It says, by faith, Sarah received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him or judged his report as true. She believed, is anything too hard for the Lord? She believed, this is what I really believe. The first report, Abram heard it. He told her. She couldn't grab a hold of it. Second time, he talked to Abram. She wasn't there to grab a hold of it. So God, in his goodness and his mercy, because everybody's different, and everybody needs something different. And thank God for the Holy Ghost that lives on the inside of each and every one of us. And he's willing to work with us. God is not a taskmaster. He wants us to get everything that Jesus provided for us. And so he went and he's like, where's Sarah? Where's she at? Oh, she's hiding in the tent. And he went and talked to her so that she could, she didn't come out of the tent. But she could hear. And faith comes by hearing. I can't stop here. Faith comes by hearing. So what happened? She heard not just what Abraham said that God said about her. She heard from the Lord. <laughs> no, you don't understand. She heard from the Lord. You've got to hear from the Lord. Where does it come from? It comes from the Logos. But you personally have to hear from the Lord. Everybody's testimonies are great and it can inspire you. But you have to hear from the Lord. In our day and hour, people like shortcuts. There is no shortcut to walking by faith. You have to hear from the Lord for yourself. He noticed the faith in, his, in, in Timothy's grandmother, Lo, uh, Lois, and Mama Eunice. And it's in him also. But Timothy's the one that put it in himself. He's the one that's got a relationship with God. It's important. Oh, my goodness. So what do you know? In that three months, she went, I've told you this before, she went from laughing and lying to believing and counting God was faithful. She believed the report. And then when she, as soon as she believed that report, I believe that nothing is impossible with God. I believe that I'm going to have a son and his name's going to be Isaac. And everybody's going to laugh with me because I'm old and we haven't done that for years. But look what God has done. Amen. And I believe she began to prepare. She got her nursery together. She got everything together. And in that three-month period, she, her faith was working because she believed God's report, because she got a rhema word from the Lord. He spoke to her specifically. She, at first, she didn't get it, but she started meditating on it. She started thinking about it. Who is this God? He's the God Almighty. He's the God Almighty. He said to me, is anything too hard for him? And so I just choose to believe. No. Nothing is too hard for God. I choose to believe what he said. And the moment she did that, she received strength. Amen. And Isaac was conceived in her heart by faith. Her faith. She wouldn't be the mother of many nations if in that three months or whatever that was, she didn't make an adjustment and begin to believe his report. Because what happened? Because could it have happened 10 years earlier? It could have. Could she have avoided? Well, I just believe whatever's meant to be is meant to be. You believe baloney because that's not true. The choices we make in life produce a lot of the stuff we see. And you cannot override people's wills because God can't. And when people make choices, there are situations, thank God, we can respond in faith and overcome no matter what happens. But you can't override people's wills. He couldn't override Sarah's. And she was scheduled to be the mother of our faith. And he couldn't override her will. He couldn't override Peter's. And Peter was scheduled to be the first Pentecostal preacher. I want to get this to you. Oh, you are coming back next week, right? Oh, good. Real quick. I'm going to let you go. Because... Cause we didn't get there. I got, I, we got, we got so much. Hallelujah. We got, we got another two pages. 
We can't, we can't, next week. That's just what I got written down. Oh, I haven't been this happy for a long time. John chapter 4, woman at the well. Remember, they went to get him some food. There's a woman there. He said, give me something to drink. And remember, they had this conversation. You know, verse 10, he said, if you knew who the gift of God and who is it said to get me a drink, <laughs> you would have asked me and I would give you living water. So this woman doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, whoever drinks this water is going to thirst again. But the, the water I give him, it's eternal life, you know. And um, then, remember, they begin to have a conversation. And he said, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And the Holy Ghost begins to work with the manifestation of the word of um, knowledge. That's what this was, word of knowledge. Well, you're, what you're saying is right. You, you don't have a husband, but you've had five, and the guy you live with now is not your husband. And then, um, then they begin to talk about Jesus, where we, get, we talk about true worship. But I want you to see verse 29, John chapter 4, verse 29. Because I want to talk to you about Abraham and Sarah's faith, what Sarah needed. And, and I want you to see it in the New Testament and the Gospels too. So remember this woman. She went back and she began to talk to the men, it says. Verse 29. Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is this not the Christ? Is this not the Christ? So she began to do what? She began to preach to him. Verse 25 says, the woman said it to him, talking about Jesus. Listen, she had some faith already. Where'd she get it from? Well, they had the old covenant and, and she was, you know, th this was a mixed race people that she was. So they, part of them came from a covenant. Part of them weren't from a covenant. It was all messed up. But somewhere, somehow, somebody told her something. Listen, the woman said to him, I know. What is that? That's faith. I know that the Messiah comes. I know there's a Messiah coming somewhere. What is that? That's faith. Which is called Christ. She even got that right. This is the messed up woman with five former husbands and she's living in adultery. Isn't it amazing who the Lord will talk to and give us good doctrine from? When he has come, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus said, looky here, I'm him. And then she did what? She ran back. Verse 39, watch this. And many of the Samaritans, verse 39 of John 4, of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. Their faith, they immediately, when she said, this is all this, she recounted what happened. What happened? They believed on him. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. They believed on him. They weren't born again, but they believed on him. He told me everything I did. She convinced them. But watch. Then there's another group of people. Everybody hears and believes sometimes at different places, and the Lord is willing to work with them all. And so we can't get all, because what? Abraham believed right away. He tried to tell Sarah what was going to happen. She couldn't get it. She had to hear the report for herself. And when she did, she, she had a rhema from God and she believed him. And she received, she received strength to conceive Isaac. Now watch this, verse 41, 42. And many more believed because of his own word. So Jesus came, he took time out. He wasn't sent to these people. He took a detour. This woman must have excited him. This woman must have blessed him. Because this is pre-work. These people are not, this is not, this is not the, yeah, remember what he told the Syrophoenician woman? I'm not going to give you the, the children's bread. And remember what she said? Well, even the dogs, the little puppies eat from the crumbs. Jesus, he loves the outsider. I'm just telling you, he loves the down and out. He loves the outsider. Come on, he's just like us Americans. He roots for the underdog. And we're all underdogs. And many more believe because of his own word. And they said unto the woman, verse 42, now we believe, not because of your saying. Did some believe because of her saying? Now we believe not because of your saying, for we have heard him ourselves. And know, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Why could they believe that? Because they've got a measure of faith. 
and they're Samaritans. And she had a little background, obviously, in the Old Covenant, even though, huh? What? A little bit. Yeah, good. No, help me preach. She had a little bit. You're the only one. Uh, she, she had a little bit of that, right? But it was enough to jump off of to get a rhema. Come on, there's people all around here who have a little bit. <laughs> no, there's a whole lot of people and a whole lot of people moving in. They're going to have a little bit. And we can, they're going to be like the woman at the well. And, we're, and the Holy Ghost is going to fall, and he's going to talk to them. And, they're going to, and man, they're going to get crazy. They're going to call up, you know, people all over. You know, I'm just telling you. It's, it's good. But, but my point in bringing all that up is that many people are more like the second group. They're more like Sarah and the other people than the first group. They need to hear themselves. And so you're not their Holy Ghost. But you can give them the written word. Ask the Spirit of God to open the eyes of their understanding. Take any blinders off that might cause the glorious light of the gospel to not be able to go in. And when you, um, when you and I hear, so remember, you can't have a rhema without the logos. But faith comes by hearing physically, comes hearing spiritually by the rhema, a spoken word, by the Christ, by the anointing. And then we're looking at all these things about hearing. We're looking at hearing. You've got to hear. But most of us have to hear for ourselves. How do you hear? Well, we're going to get into some of these things as we go. And I've had a whole lot of fun, but you better go get your children and get your youth. Hallelujah. And we'll see you Sunday morning. We're starting a new series called These Three. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.